The Nine Foot Night Killer Collective. Forged, not made. everybody to the uh, forged uh, not made podcast episode one with uh with carrie thank you carrie for taking the time uh, to sit down with us i know it's fine i'm happy to do so. <laughs> so carrie um obviously we want to get a, a fullest picture of how you've uh, you know forged yourself into the person that you are today can you take us all the way back to you know where you come from where you grow up you know what the environment you're surrounded in um in your childhood sort of coming up through school Mm -hmm. um so i live in cumbria um so the lake district um just a little town not very big when i was growing up there was me my mum my two brothers at our house and then my dad my stepmom and her three children at theirs um so there's quite a lot of us when we all got together a lot of children yeah um yeah um so, yeah, going to school was just probably just like anyone. But me, me and Adam quite often have conversations and he really enjoyed school, whereas I really didn't. And he's like, how did you not enjoy school? And I'm just like, I think I was a very self-conscious and, you know, sort of, how would you say it? Quite a self-conscious little girl, essentially. Um, and I, 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 I'm even now, I'm still conscious of hurting people's feelings and stuff like that and I was probably a bit of an easy target um in some respects and I wouldn't ever say anything back to people um so I just used to take it and I think that made me even more sort of um, not a withdrawn person but like stay under the radar keep yourself to yourself type type mm-hmm. thing um but yeah I was never into sport or anything like that at school absolutely hated it yeah I think it's just purely down to that. I didn't want to stand out. Um, and as well, at school, you have to do sport with girls and boys. And at that age, it's like, can't get red and sweaty in front of the boys. Um, you know, like that type of thing. Yeah. Um, because I think as well, you know, like when we were growing up, my mum my was practically on her own. Um, she didn't have a lot of money to be able to fund us to do sport either. Because let's face it, it's it's expensive. No matter what sport you do. You've got to buy your kit. You've got to buy even just your clothes that you go in, stuff like that. So I know for a lot of young girls, dancing's always one of them things. Um, but it was just too expensive for for mum to be able to afford to for to me for me to do. I did do majorettes for a little while, which I enjoyed. Um, but yeah, was never really. None of us were ever really into sport or anything like that. So um, it's a quite a large, obviously, tribe of uh, kids going on in the in the oh, extended family and i know i have a similar sort of uh spread family across the two households but uh do you all go to the same school are you spread across a number of years yeah so we're we've spread across a few years um and my step siblings they went to a different school as okay. well um so i think that made it more fun when we did actually see each other because then at least you weren't together all of the time yeah. 
because you know even living at home with your brothers it's like oh just like give me a break just leave me alone you know it's like that type of mm. thing um but yeah it was it was fun when we were all together as the six of us because it was just mad yeah. I always remember we used to play um oh what was it there was a game and it wasn't hide and seek but you would you'd all hide and then it, the lights would be off and stuff and we'd all be in one room and like literally like in wardrobes under the bed <laughs> stuff like that and just like scaring each other <laughs> I always remember stuff like that it's not a bit of wonder I'm scared I'm scared of everything yeah. now I can't watch anything on the telly because I get dead scared dead quick and Adam's like Carrie how are you and I'm like honestly it's it's growing up with brothers yeah. because they just used to torture me yeah. they used to like make me watch horror movies and stuff what's that like so being obviously your mother and you, and yourself but uh, what's it like being the only the only girl there um, I suppose I probably, I mean, because I was the youngest as well at our house, because my two brothers are older. Um, and I would say that they would say that me being the girl and being the youngest, I would get away with more. But I, w- I wouldn't say that. But then, I, then again, I would say that, wouldn't I? Um, I mean, I did have a stepsister. So when we were at dad's, you know, there was there was the two of us and we were exactly the same age as well. So that was quite yeah. good. Um, that was quite good for me. But yeah, I quite. I, the only reason I don't like being the youngest is because older brothers are very protective mm-hmm. and it was sometimes overbearingly like protective yeah. as, as you get a little bit older. But now that I'm like I'm 29, nearly 30 now, I can sort of appreciate what they were trying to yeah, do. Absolutely. Whereas at the time, I just used to be like, oh, my God, I hate you. Get on my life. You know, like that typical brother sister relationship. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as you get older, you do fully appreciate it that they were just trying to protect you. They just wanted to look after you. Yeah. So um, obviously, you you don't do sport for for the reasons you've laid out, um, which I'm sure that a lot of girls, even now, you know, ha- have a similar thing. It's it's interesting that you can have like such um, you know such a variety of people that that's all they do at sport. Like, and so they don't even consider the boys. Uh, and then obviously um, your um, experience. What is like? What sport is going on around you? Because um, I know, obviously, you know, your brothers. Obviously, they're having to do sport at school as well. But uh, you're you're younger of the two brothers. He's more into design, right? Yeah. So Carl is. He was more like amateur dramatics, um, like into drama. He used to sort of do like the plays and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, Jamie used to play football, and I think he played rugby as well. Um, but not it wasn't it was just one of them things he would do with his friends it wasn't um whereas my dad he was a bodybuilder for a very long time um I think I mean as we were getting older and as obviously work takes over and things like that um he didn't train as much and then he stopped training and then it sort of it got into a bit of a cycle for him um and led him down the path where he was a little bit unhappy because he ended up putting on a lot of weight and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dad, dad was a bodybuilder, so he was like the action man, a real life action yeah. man when we were little. And he loved to tell us that his job was, um, <laughs> it totally wasn't, but he told us that he was a stunt man and we believed him Amazing. for years. <laughs> so obviously, yeah. you've got this like, uh, sort of giant of a human being with obviously massive uh, muscles on it. So I guess that in the back of your mind is is always there so going through education um 
how far did you take your education and, and where's that sort of you were saying you know going into a job and stuff where's that that path led you um so uh what did I do so I finished school done my GCSEs and then I went to sixth form for a year um but I just I really didn't enjoy it I just I wanted to enjoy it but I just I just didn't so I'd all, I'd always been into sort of like hair and things like that so I thought right do something different do something you're interested in so I went to college the following year and I did hairdressing um and worked in a salon as well so then I did that for a few years obviously qualified did that for a few years and um I, w- I had a boyfriend from when I was I think we were about 15 16 to 21 so quite a long time um and his mum got poorly um with a brain tumor and she needed someone to look after her and help so his sister was a little bit younger than me and um a husband obviously needed to go to work and stuff still and I had a really close relationship with her she was like another mum so I said I was happy to help so I took a little bit of time out of the salon and I used to look after her and while I was doing it and obviously going to the cancer ward and stuff I thought you know I want to do something that gives back to people more than than what my job was at the time um so I thought I want to do nursing because I truly believe that Yes, some people will find their is is it like the vocation, like their calling. Yes, some people will, but as you go through life, I truly believe that you feel differently about things, and it can change. And you've just got to apply yourself to what you feel is right at the time as well. Um. So yeah, I went and started working in a nursing home to get a little bit of experience, but I was far too soft. <laughs> I used to cry. I used to cry all the time and got like really attached to people but I I don't think that you can be a good carer or nurse if you don't care you've got to care yeah. but there's a fine line where that then starts to affect you as well a little bit too much um and the nurses and stuff they were so lovely and they used to say Carrie I love you but I just don't think it's for you they're like you're too soft you know you can't get that attached to somebody because you know they said would you be able to work with children and I said absolutely not if they were poorly I said, that would break my heart. And they were like, mm, you know, you've got to think about it properly. And when I was working in the nursing home, I used to sit with the old ladies and, like, do the nails and give them little hand massages and stuff like that. And I thought, do you know what? What about beauty? Let's give that a go because they call it beauty therapy for a reason. You know, the thing, the thing I love about my job is nine times out of ten when somebody goes out of the door, they feel better than when they came in. Um, whether that's an aesthetic thing or a mental thing, they're still going to feel better. They feel feel more positive about themselves. Um, so yeah, I sort of fell into my job uh, that I do now. So yeah, I went back to college again. Um, I had to fund that myself though. So I worked in the nursing home and went to college um, alongside each other just so that I could obviously pay for it. And then yeah, got a job in beauty, and I've done that now for God, what six years or something. Yeah. So obviously yeah. you're going along um, and you've decided to do what you're doing. And I would agree with you a hundred percent that, you know, therapy comes in a lot of ways, whether, you know, that's, um, you know, having a massage or whatever it is, but, you know, or through sport or, or whatever it is that works for you. Even a lot of people find obviously reading or listening to people read um, useful. What, uh, at what stage do you start working out or do you find functional fitness? How does that story um unfold because obviously i know you've got this action man figure in your head i know you're not scared of like picking up a dumbbell and things like that even at a young age but how does that manifest itself into 
you know, you basically find in functional fitness. So, um, I'd obviously never really done sport and stuff. And then I found myself in a place when I was about, uh, I think I must have been about 23, 24. And it was the first time I'd ever been on my own. So not in a relationship. And I didn't know how to be me. I didn't know how to make me just me. Because I'd always been with somebody and done things to make them happy. So I was sort of a little bit lost um I've always had uh I mean not anymore but I, I did from a young age until probably about two three years ago probably two years ago um I had a bit of an issue with myself and the way that I saw myself um and I hated the way that I looked and just sort of not good not good thoughts um so I thought what can I do so I thought right let's go to the gym you know if you go to the gym, then, you know, you'll lose a bit of weight. You'll feel a bit better. Um, so I walked into the gym one day and I just started doing your general classes, you know, your normal classes that go on. And I enjoyed it. And I got friendly with the, the coach at the time, um, Ruth. And she's now literally one of my bestest friends. She's like another mum. I just adore her. Um, and she introduced me to her husband, Brett. And um, Brett at the time was going to do his CrossFit level one um, because CrossFit was sort of just on the horizon as such then, um, especially around here, with it being a small town, nobody had really heard of it. Um, so, yeah, she introduced me to Brett and then obviously we were all friends and whatnot and I was going training and um, a couple of the guys at the gym I was friends with so I was starting to like lift weights with them and stuff like that and just that feeling of empowerment and the gains that you make especially as a beginner in in any, anything that you do your gains are really fast at the beginning aren't they yeah you know you lift up a, a two kilo dumbbell one week and then the next week you can do like a five kilo one because you're doing the movement better and stuff you know the gains are, are like great at the beginning yeah massively um so it was just it was that that feeling of like yeah, I, I think empowerment within myself and feeling like, do you know what, I can do something and I can do something that makes me feel good. Um, and yeah, it was just about that at first, just sort of the feel good factor. And yeah, and, and unfortunately, the, the negative headspace of me of I just wanted to lose weight. I wanted to be skinny Yeah. because I'd always hated myself. Um. So, yeah, that's how I sort of found sport as such. And then when Brett had done his level one, he came to me and said, Kaz, do you fancy giving this a go? And I was like, well, what is it? And he said, I just need like a little bit of a project. He said, just to see if what I've learned um, on the course would sort of like transfer. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll give it a go. So that's when I started picking up a barbell as such and doing like actual CrossFit movements. Um, And I was absolutely terrible. Oh, like so bad but even that it, it gives me that it gave me that feeling of I want to be good at this and I'm just gonna try and keep on trying you know the the goal was never ever ever to be where I am now mm-hmm. that was a snowball effect of, of of things over time the goal at that time was just to be a bit of a project for Brett and for him to just sort of have a little go with someone you know yeah. see if it works type thing 
So you've come out of like obviously the normal gym where you and Brett and and uh, obviously that relationship starts, um, and doing uh, classes with his wife and things. At what point do you move into a box? Is that when Brett does his level one? Yeah. So no, um, he was actually doing I don't know, cross fitness classes because you couldn't call it crossfit. No, was... He was doing cross cross fitness classes in the gym on a Saturday morning. Yeah. So we all started doing them. So it was just like one, you know, on a Saturday morning and whatnot. And then um, we, I, we, me and Adam met um, and Adam was from St. B's and my mum was moving back through to Whitehaven way. So I was moving with her for, further this way. So it was a bit more inconvenient to go to the gym that way. And that's when Northern Warrior was opening at the same time. So it was just sort of one of those, it was just one of those moves as such. It was like, oh, well, I'm starting to enjoy CrossFit. You know, let's just move to a box type thing. Yeah. Did Brett um, uh, move at the same time? Was that like a one yeah. bit, like move into there? Yeah, yeah. We all sort of done the same thing because we were all enjoying that style of training more. Um, so it was just, you know, they lived this way anyways. So it was just one of them things that we just thought, yeah, let's just do it. So yeah. So that that's roughly what 2015 is. That, am I right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I'm sh- I'm shocking with the date. You'll find this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm just trying to obviously uh, go back on um, Northern Warriors sort of. Um, mm. dates and stuff so you obviously you go into there what kind of um so you find a community in there what is it with the conversation look like between you and brett that changes it into you become doing a competition let alone obviously where we are today um so i mean god so there was a little bit of so what happened was we moved uh to northern Moria and Carrie being Carrie at the time thought she knew best and thought I need to train more to be better at mm. this. But at the time I didn't feel myself properly. I didn't sleep properly. Um, I was still very much about uh, losing weight and, you know, I, I wasn't doing, my focus wasn't on performance. It was just, I, just, I wanted to be better about it, but my main driver was, I want to be skinny. Um, so I sort of was like, I know best. Um, and I would train all the time, even though Brett said don't. Because he wasn't my coach as such then. Um, and he was trying to guide me, but I was pushing back, pushing back. And I was just like, no, I know best. And unfortunately, that manifested in an injury. Yeah. Just one of those things over time. Um, and yeah, I, I ended up getting patellar tendonitis in both of my knees to the point where I literally couldn't walk up the stairs without crying. It was it was bad because I was just I was running up. I mean, obviously, from going from doing no sport at all when you're younger, so you've got you've got nothing in the baseline, you've got nothing there to run in ten k and you know lifting weights up and probably not doing it correctly and you know, trying to push the barriers of what I could lift and probably knees caving in and doing all them, doing all the things that you shouldn't do. Because, mm. uh, you know, I had no foundation and I was just like, I'm just going to do this. Yeah. So, you know, it was inevitable by not feeding the body properly and, and killing it with training that that was something was going to happen. Yeah. And I would not change that for the world now because it's even more so made me into the athlete that I am because I'm very aware of warming up properly cooling down properly stretching nutrition all them things are so like inbuilt in me now because i know what can happen if you don't do them things yeah and i know obviously you're studying for 
to become a coach yourself. And uh, I know obviously Brett, where he was coming from, because we all, you know, we all know the quote where it's like, you know, sleep well, eat well, move well. And at that point, and only at that point, add, you know, intensity and volume. So, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah. screw that. I'm going to do intensity and volume, not bother sleeping or eating. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's good. I, I like that. There's another like moment in time where everyone needs to sort of go, hey, you know, let's get these things right before we do uh, the second part. And if you follow the methodology correctly, you won't get that. Oh, definitely. So you're sitting on the sofa with two screwed up knees and you're watching the CrossFit games. <laughs> yeah. And you go, do you know what? I want to get there. <laughs> no. even, even at that point, I just used to say, I would just like to RX workout because at that point I couldn't even RX every workout, you know, and I was watching them lifting and stuff like that. And I thought, oh, I'd love to be able to move that 30 kilo barbell like that. But to me, like, you know, every rep's an absolute chore because it's so heavy to me, you know, at that time. Um, so, yeah, I'd, all, all my goal was then sat there was thinking, I would just love to be able to get into the open and be able to RX every workout. That was all I wanted. Um, so I kind of had to go back to Brett with my tail between my legs and say, I'm really sorry, you were right, I was wrong. Please help me. I really, I really need your help. And him being the person that he is, he was like, absolutely. You know, because at that time, you know, our friendship, because I was pushing them away, we probably weren't as close as well we definitely weren't as close as what we are now like the we're family now um and for him to be able to even then say yeah I'll help you it just shows the type of person that he is um and he said as long as you do as I say and nothing else then I'll happily help and I was like absolutely I'll do anything anything you say and the first thing was get your nutrition in check Mm. you know eat you need to eat if you're going to train, then you need to eat. If we're going to get you healthy, that's what you need to do. So that first year was going to see the Red Pill guys, um, Jousey down at Manchester, just to get me healthy, just to get my body moving um, so that I could actually do an air squat without pain um, and just to be able to move without pain again. So that was the first year, was just eating and rehab. You know, and it... It was horrible and it was hard because you go into the box and you see everybody else doing workouts and having fun and you're in the corner doing, you know, just your rehab and that's all you're allowed to do. Yeah. And it was, you know, it, it was it was hard. And at certain points, I probably was quite negative, um, had a negative mindset watching people, which now... I'm sort of disappointed in myself for but at the time you saw enthralled it I want to be able to do that what it's not fair why can't I do that but then at the same time I put myself in that position that was my my fault um so yeah it was it was a hard time that because it wasn't you know you you know that if you do the rehab you'll get better but at the same time there was no guarantee there was no certainty that it would work and it, that I would be able to start lifting heavy again. Because, you know, that was one of the things we asked Jouse. It was, well, will she be able to to squat again properly and stuff? And he was like, I would like to say, absolutely, she'll get under a heavy load. But, I don't know, depends if she sticks to it. Depends how her body re- recovers, reacts. Nobody has a, a, what's one of them, like a mystic ball to say, absolutely, she'll be fine. Um, and, yeah, that first year, I was barely even back squat barely even squat on my own body weight 
it was just a lot of rehab. Yeah. Um, and then we went back. Obviously, we kept going back to him sort of every couple of months. Um, and I think it was about a year or something like that. And when we got there, we asked him the question. We said, you know, can we start putting under load now and see what happens? And Jouse being the man that he is, he was like, do it, see what happens. You know, like, that's all you can do is try. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we were fortunate enough that when we tried, no pain. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then it was, and then that's when the build started for a competition. Yeah. Um, and that's when it started. So if I was like, right, well, how about now we've started to improve? How about I set myself the site of a Reynolds and let's do a Reynolds and sort of, you know, get that feeling of if I like competing because at the sit, you know, never doing sport and never being a competitive environment to saying I'll do an individual competition, uh, it's quite a big step and it's terrifying. Yeah, I can... You know, and absolutely terrifying. Yeah. So, obviously, you're going to the box uh, on, a, on a more regular basis. You're building through your rehab and, and it's a good build year. I mean, it's obviously a good build year, otherwise you wouldn't be standing where you are now. But, uh, obviously, Adam's in the same box, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, so, how did uh, how did that sort of make itself into the relationship we see today? Um, so Adam's a very shy man and is very quiet and, um, yeah. So I liked him for a year and he liked me for a year and it took him a whole year to ask me out on a date. Even though everybody around us knew we both liked each other. It was, he, it was one of those, he needed a little push, um, and it was actually Brett who gave him the push. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and he takes credit for that now. He's like, well, you know, he's married to now. And I'm like, oh, I know, I know. Um, but yeah, um, he asked me out on a date. And then literally from the first time we went out on a date, that's it, we were inseparable. Yeah. Were you trying to work? Because he, he, he's just the kindest. I, honestly, he's so, he's so kind. He puts, I mean, he says to me, that my dream's his dream but I think for anybody to put what they may be dream of on hold for somebody else is an absolutely incredible thing um and it is so humble and, and and when I say to him how much I appreciate it it's like but I don't do anything Kaz and I'm like no but you do you sacrifice so much to let me be able to do what I dream of doing and it but he still doesn't see it no he's just a lovely human being so of as you sort of alluded to there, you've, um, you know, 2000, I guess, 18 being, a, you know, a, a season where you've actually, you know, start to realize what you've, you've started to build with Brett um, and you take yourself um, to the European championships, right? Open score, like 80 second, uh, sorry, 86. Um, mm -hmm. And you head out to Europe. What does that look like? Obviously making that trip, you know, actually committing to going to a competition. Yeah, I mean, so European Championships, I think, was it only my third competition, individual? So I did I did two Rain Hills, and I'm not going to lie, the first competition I ever did as an individual, Rain Hills, it was, I came away and said, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually did say, I'm never doing that again, because it was, it's such a stressful situation, and... Obviously, there's pressure, but it's more the pressure that you always put on yourself to perform. Um, but it, you do feel like sort of a bit like cattle in a pen. 
and you know and everyone's just like looking and it's intense and it's loud and and everything like that so the first yeah the first time when I first walked away I thought no it's not for me you know competition isn't for me but then a couple of weeks afterwards I was like oh it wasn't really that bad yeah it starts to fade and you and you yeah and you remember that feeling of when the workout finishes and you think I gave my all then and you just feel proud and I thought actually I do want that again so that's when that's when I thought right digging you know you know my numbers were still improving I was still enjoying training performance was still improving so I thought well why not let's just try again let's do it again and see if I do enjoy it because you can't always say after the first time I'm not doing something again you've got to give it another go to really know um so yeah the, the second time I did it that's when I sort of thought do you know what I actually do enjoy competing but not competing because of the way that a lot of people enjoy it I think although I'm competitive I'm I don't put myself as being a competitive person against other people I'm competitive with myself and the reason I like to compete is because I like to know that I give my everything and walk away from the floor with that sort of elation and that power within myself that I give my best and if my best isn't good enough to win I don't really care because I think I've only ever won one competition and it felt absolutely no different to winning to when I don't win so to me that's not my driver my driver is just to see how far I can push my potential and see how strong I can make myself. Um, whether that sounds selfish in some ways and stuff, I don't know. But, yeah, although I, I like to compete, it's not for the reasons that I think a lot of other people like to compete. And maybe that's because I've not been brought up in sport, I don't know. I mean, from my perspective, but, I think it, it speaks to, like, the mindset shift that you said you had from, you know, the aesthetic or whatever over to like, you know, actually I, I enjoy this and I enjoy, you know, what, what it gives me in my mind. And I think if you're going to have like a, a growth mindset, you can't be focusing on what everyone else around you is doing. Um, no. And you're only ever going to succeed if you judge yourself against your own numbers. Do you know what I mean? So it's yeah, like, exactly. Where do I want to be? Where was I at this point? You know, ebbs and flows of, of, um, of stuff, but I think it's a far healthier place to be. And actually you're probably going to have, larger gains by comparing yourself to yourself um yeah than anybody else and that's why even now uh, well especially especially now you know on social media the platform and we can see it either as positive or negative it's entirely up to your own perception of the way you want to see it but for me um i think a lot of people are influenced by what other people are doing and and especially in the situation we're in right now with lockdown and, and all that type of thing um people maybe look at it more or and things like that and and I, I I do believe that you only compare yourself to yourself I truly believe that and it's whatever I post I try not to put numbers or this or that or the other because I think well, does it matter they don't care like people don't care what my numbers are only I care and you know do I want to risk the thing of somebody else feeling bad about themselves because maybe they can't do I don't know a strict muscle up or maybe, you know, or, or, you know, I've seen myself do it. I think, oh, my God, that girl's just cleaned like 105 kilos. I can't do that. And it makes you feel bad about your own achievement when, you know, a few years ago, I couldn't clean a set amount of weight. But now I can probably clean 40 kilos more than what I used to be able to do. So I do think it's important not to always say 
look at look what I can do I can lift this when it should just be today I lifted this and for my own personal like achievement that was good for me so I, I do try and block out the weights or so because I know what people are like they'll try and zoom in and count it up and think mm, does, you know because people do that and it's like it doesn't matter mm. as long as it's important to you and it's made you feel good you know it doesn't matter what everyone else is doing yeah and I, I have it in my notes here but social media is obviously a big it's a big thing for you in as much as uh when you do post it tends to be a large post a long post and i would say that if you are listening to this podcast or you're you're a fan of uh, carries that you open up as we sort of talk through a life the instagram or whatever and look through the feed and some of the posts and kind of like pause the podcast and read them um because uh it's something that i definitely do is i i highlight the ones that are like extremely long because there's there's a lot of mindset um coming out and it's just so it's interesting that you mentioned that because and where we are right now and it says here i can still to this day remember watching the games in 2015 oh my god i'd never be able to do those kind of workouts and i knew there is still so much to learn but that's what keeps me excited because of the works uh, the, sorry the working of weeks months and years on things it gives me the bug to do even more yeah and it's like i'm excited to do even more in chasing in chasing my goals and i think like yeah. it takes obviously reading one of those posts and obviously that's like the last sentence in, in a massive um, post explaining what's in the images below but um that's you arriving into the 2019 open looking back at where we are sort of like in the conversation now i think if more people use social media in that way it's like this is what i'm doing in these images and this is the why and this is why it makes it exciting so I, I'd encourage people to go back and just sort of read some of those longer uh, pieces. Um, I mean, I, th I think some of them, Adam will even take me something like, that's a bit long, Kaz, no one's going to read that. And I think, well, that doesn't matter. Somebody might read it and it might help someone. Yeah. And, you know. <laughs> and again, it speaks to what you were saying about therapy earlier on. I think sometimes writing something down, just even a journal, even if you never post it or it never goes out into the world, is, is therapeutic. But actually yeah. putting it out into the universe in that way really can help, you know, somebody not just you, but I mean, I'm sure it's very therapeutic writing them down, but someone else, you know, sees what you're doing and, and living maybe in the aesthetic. And then they read the mindset side of it and they're like, you know what, actually, I, you know, maybe that's the way to go after it. And like we said, you know, that shift probably gave you the gains. Oh yeah, definitely. Because, you know, um, when you start lifting weights and doing, and doing things and it goes on genetics as well don't get me wrong but when you start to gain muscle mass and you start to look a wee bit different to what other people do you think oh god you know and at first it was it was difficult for even me to process the fact that my arms were getting bigger and people would go oh my god look at the size of your arms whereas now I just smile and go oh yeah because I think well these arms can do quite quite a lot sometimes <laughs> yeah. when I need them to very handy you know so if I was in a sticky situation, I'm sure they'd get me out of something. <laughs> so, you know, and, and now I've got, you know, I do, I, I look at it as a good and positive thing and, and look at it as what these arms can do. Whereas, yeah, I think if you ask a lot of women in CrossFit, um, I know a lot of women I've sort of met or spoke to, they've all felt the same when they started to develop muscle. It was like, oh God, you know. But then you become so proud of it and I wear it as a sort of like, as a, I'm not a badge of honour, but yeah, like my armour. I think, well, I am proud of it. I've earned it, you know. 
I put all the work in, I put all the hours in, and I've earned yeah. it. So, you know, I don't, sun's out, gun, I don't sun's know. out, guns out. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I don't know if it's the world that obviously I'm in or, or that I, I see all the time, but I just see that society has changed. And I personally think that I'd never really got why women would want to be the, you know, shape that they were. If like, if exercise is what, you know, and being healthy, if, if this, what that looks like, surely that's what everyone should be aspiring to be. Not look a certain way, but like, if I'm healthy mm -hmm. and I'm strong and I'm going to, I will just naturally look this way. Like what, you know, what? Yeah. Uh, because I mean, it's one of those as well, you know, not all athletes have muscle either. It, it comes down to your, your byproduct of your, your genetics and hundreds of different factors. You know, you go to a CrossFit competition, every single woman will look different, but every single woman will be performing to their absolute best and they're healthy and, you know, nine times out of ten, they're happy. So, you know, I do think the whole thing of, like, the way that somebody looks, it does, it's, it's just an appearance. It's got nothing to do with performance. Yeah. You know, it's literally just that is what it is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, obviously, you've gone out to the European Championships. Um, mm -hmm. You've got, a, like, a mix of kind of coaches at that point, a mix of influences. But you obviously do quite well there, and you come back to um, uh, Battle for Middle uh, Ground, and you get put into a team, uh, Team Battle Cancer, which is, I think that's just an invite, right? And um, Yeah, yeah, we were invited. And yeah. you just put on there with two girls you've never met before and come mm -hmm. third. Obviously, you've got quite a close relationship with them now. How did that like yeah. invite come about? Was it just the scores um, or something? I, I still don't know, to be honest. They, I just, they just reached out to me on Instagram and said, um, we're looking for a third team member. Um, would you be interested? And I thought, I've never done team stuff. I thought, yeah, let's give it a go. It'd be good fun. Um, so I was nervous, obviously, because when, when I'd looked the two girls up, I was like, oh, God. Like these girls have like they've got loads of followers, like they're pretty good. I was like, Oh god, you know, am I gonna be the weak link type thing? But as soon as we all met on the that morning, all three of us, we just got on like a house on fire. And it was it was just one of the most fun days. Because we were actually the demo team as well. So that was funny. And it was quite sort of embarrassing at times because you had to stand in front of all of these athletes. And I think it was one of the I think one of the movements was um, a dumbbell overhead squat. Well, you know how hard that movement is? And I was like, oh. And the girls were like, Carrie, can you do that one? I was like, oh. I was like, okay, I'll give it a go. Standing in front of all these athletes, you know, like some people, they were really, really good there. And I was just like, yeah, Kaz, be fine, be fine. So it was like gritted myself to be like, yeah, I've got this, I've got this. <laughs> but it was just, it was just, it was so fun. It was just such a good day. And yeah, from then we've all been friends. Oh. and we speak to each other probably once a month or something so you come off you come off the back of obviously 2018 and you and brett have a more serious sort of conversation and uh mm -hmm. he very much becomes your coach at that point and then you talk about dialing nutrition at what point does we dominate nutrition come in is that that season or is that this later on um i think i've been with them for three years now you yeah. know uh oh god i can't quite remember if it was it was before that it was it was before that season, so it was probably even when I was going to European Championships and stuff like that. I was tracking, um, I was I was already with Tim. Yeah, it was. To be quite honest, I think it was pretty much during rehab. That's when I went with them. Okay. So yeah, it's probably even longer. Was that a red pill influence, or how did you uh, meet those no, guys? It was actually Megan Lovegrove. I reached out to Megan and I said, 
um have you got any sort of ideas as to how I can because nutrition at that time people were sort of doing it but a lot of people track for nutrition now um so I reached out to Meg and she said about it and I just got in touch with them and then that and that was it um because yeah I've always saw Megan because she's from around where I am and obviously she's achieved so much I've always looked at her as my inspiration sort of well she can do it and she's from around here then why can't I type thing and she's such a lovely girl as well every time I've reached out to her in troubled times or anything like that she's always helped me um you know like when you're struggling with sort of especially just after Australia I had like a post-competition dump of what now and I reached out to her and she and she got back in touch with me straight away so I've, I've got a lot of time to make she's a really nice girl yeah. really nice so yeah my nutrition was it's been part of my life for quite a long time now so um uh, Brett's and you guys you start to target a few things you've obviously in the open like I said um I think it's 80 sick or in around that region and then obviously you make a a huge leap forward in the in the 2019 season and and jump to 17th um what changes when you see those numbers come up uh do you mean as in within that year of training no i i I understand obviously you you've you've set out a path and this that and the other and you're starting to do competition but i mean you you might be able to tell me but it doesn't. It seems at that point that you're still just enjoying it, just enjoying the sport, doing things. There's no sort of like uh, higher goal, but obviously you make no, you make yeah, a jump from yeah. 86 to 17. That tells a story, yeah. probably to you and yeah. Brett about what you're doing. Yeah. So, so to, in within that year, so obviously when I came back from Europeans, um, Europeans was such a different experience, and Adam, Adam said to me because at that time I was sort of you know thinking about going into my own business in beauty thinking oh you know like I'll set out my life and do this and the and after that competition Adam said he said because I knew when you walked off that floor what you were going to say to me and I turned around and I said I want to do this and he said I just knew from then so when we came back um from Europeans and then I think it was the open after that wasn't it and that's when I came 86th, was that? Uh, so 2018, was I've got you as 86th. And then 2019, I've got you as 17th. Yeah. yeah. So that's when I said to Brett, right, I really want to give this a crack now. So what should we do? So we started obviously training for that. And then we, that, for that year there to get that jump, it was like, well, we need to see if we can make gains here. So when I got the 17th, I sort, I sort of felt like we're close. So it's possible, you know, and that that's when it was like, right, now I'm going to go for it type thing. Yeah. Um, and at that time, it was still regionals. Yeah. And the goal was, my original goal was within the next two years, so from 2019 to 2021, um, I want to get to regionals. Yeah. I want to be a regionals athlete. So that, that was my original goal. And then, bam, yeah. CrossFit changed it. <laughs> So I was like, oh no, what do I do? <laughs> so the 2019 season, obviously we, we, we all know what it starts, starts to look like, but you do strength in depth. Um, and uh, just, just as an RX athlete. Yeah, as yeah. an RX athlete. Yeah. Um, before, obviously, they become a sanctional. Um, but obviously mm-hmm. strength in depth are all over the country running events, not just uh, the large one down in London. Uh, 
and you do a couple of team things again. Um, how does like the strength in depth? The um, the strength in depth that year it was actually a sanctional. Yeah. So they had the but they had the elite and then I had RX. So I I remember being there and just because the the two floors were different. So there was the RX floor and then there was the elite floor with all the like the supporters and stuff. So the RX floor you could you, there was just like stand around supporters. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the elite they had like you know the seats up by the side and stuff like that. And I just remember constantly looking over, being like, I want to be there. Like, I would give my arm, I would give my leg, I would do anything. I just want to get there. And I thoroughly enjoyed that weekend. It was the first time I'd ever done a three-day competition. And, like, I absolutely loved it. But I just remember standing in the back, sort of where the warm-up area was, because it was really nice, because you could warm up with the elite as well. So... Quite often, I was sat on the bike warming up when Sarah Sigmundstadt was next to me, and I was like, "This is quite cool," <laughs> you know. Um, and I just remember at the end of the competition on the Sunday, going into the warm-up area at the back, because um, that was our chance to go and get a few selfies with, you know, like Jamie Green and stuff. And Brett looked at me and he said, "Are you all right, kid?" And I just started crying. And he was like, "What's the matter?" And I said, "Don't get me wrong, I've absolutely loved this experience." I said, but I just want to be there. And he was like, another year of hard work. You know, he said, it was always a two-year plan. He said, that's all we can do. He said, I'm not, not gonna, he said I can't say it to you. It's definitely going to happen. He said, but you do the work. Who knows? So for, from that, I mean, strength in depth and getting that feeling of, it was it was like sort of like painful as such because you just want something so bad and, You've already been working really, really hard, and you see some people. I think at any competition, or and you think you don't appreciate where you are. Like I want to be there so bad, and you're there, but you don't appreciate that you're there. Um, and so like I find that sometimes quite uh, difficult because I think, God, like how can somebody just be like so good at something, but yet I have to work so bloody hard just to be remotely good at it. You know, but then that's just the look of the draw, I think, sometimes. And it, and it comes back down to that thing of if people have a sporting background, it's a lot easier to tra- transfer into CrossFit than it is if you haven't got any background at all. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I just remember that feeling at Strength in Depth and being like, that's it now. So every, every session that I found difficult after that, I just remembered that feeling of feeling like the pain of not being there yet. And I was like, there's only there's only you that can get yourself there in a sense of you've got to have your team and you've got to have your, your people around you who'll do your programming and your support system for for the days that are, are shit but there's only you that can physically put in that workload because they can't do it for you so you've got to push yourself and you've got to put yourself in that cave when you've got to push yourself you know um and that, that's the feeling I sort of always try and remember when I when I feel a little bit like oh this is a bit too hard this I think well do you want to feel like that again no so you're just gonna have to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the UK community then obviously you've come uh, there back around and and obviously under a different name but with the same people's uh, Soul Sisters going back to that competition again. Obviously you're firmly yeah. embedded in in the UK community. Do you, would you say that like it's the same faces all the time? It, it who do you like? sort of see that's coming up yeah I think generally when you go to CrossFit competitions it's probably generally the same sort of faces but 
I mean, even now, I don't see myself as being, um, like you say that, like in the community, in that sort of bubble. But I don't see myself as that. I still see myself as trying to get in, and I think it's just because I've got. I have. I'll have to work a lot on the mindset of seeing myself as an athlete. I still don't see that sometimes, and I have to. That's something that I have to work on a lot, and. I still find it really strange to say I am an athlete. Yeah. Because I still don't feel like I am yet because I'm, I haven't reached where I know that I want to go, if you know what yeah. I mean, in my potential. Not so much in competition-wise, just in my potential. I know I've still got more to give. So I don't class myself as the athlete yet because, I don't know, I feel like to say you're an athlete, it's like... I don't know. Yeah. It's like a trophy type thing. Do you know? I don't know. I think I, I'll come back to that in a second because it's an interesting thought. But uh, obviously, I, I speak to other people in the community and they say your name. Do you know what I mean? So I think you're on the inside from from obviously from an out. I'm actually an outsider looking in. You know, the, 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 I, feel, I, feel, I think that's mental. The group of athletes that you continuously <laughs> see at the centre of uh, UK CrossFit. Obviously, there's the elite athletes and, you know, they're maybe spread around the world, you know, in Dubai and over in the States and stuff like that. But but on a, on a regular basis, you know, you would be mentioned. So I think yeah, it's interesting that you see it in a different perspective to other people. Because I know you say it when we talk, you mention names of people who are in that community. And then when I speak to them, they say your name. So it's, it's interesting that you're all talking about each other, but no one thinks they are. Yeah. Um, yeah. So obviously you and Brett have then decided um, to make some targets. And, and like you said, um, I got it wrong. The strength and depth had become a sanctional you know, regionals had gone away sort of 2019, had to be let slide almost in that. But you make a deliberate effort then going into uh, the October period where they brought the Open forward to target what would yeah. be regionals. And I guess sanctionals uh, now being that. How does that conversation yeah. go? Um it was at first it was kind of like oh, what do we do now because that, that was the two-year plan and you know um and we had to wait for obviously CrossFit HQ and stuff to say what was going to happen and then you can look at it in two ways you can look at it as being a negative or a positive and I took it as a positive well there's more ch- there's more chances now there's more opportunity um and I just said to Brett I said well that's that's the next goal and that's the goal it's to get to a sanctioned event as an elite athlete I want to go and be on the floor with them women who I've always looked up to yeah you know I just I just want to be there and just to just see it's it's for me I find um qualifying for something more of an achievement than being there at the competition because it's sort of, I, I don't know, I just, I feel like the qualification's more difficult because you've got, you've got to give everything to get in. Mm-hmm. Whereas once you're there, it's like, well, you can go and have fun now, you know? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I find qualifying sort of gives me more of a buzz, I think, sometimes, whereas especially after the two experiences this year, obviously finally getting to do the sanctionals. That was more... Um, uh, how do you explain it? So it was amazing. The experience was absolutely incredible. 
but it was so goddamn hard that it's like you get the buzz maybe like four weeks after you've done the competition you don't get that buzz while you're there because it's just like I need to survive this I need to not die not make me look like I'm shit you know yeah I I would uh, it's it's interesting because obviously you've targeted those things so heavily and I think a lot of athletes even when they're still on the podium you know it doesn't matter where you are like what level of competition from the top you know uh, athletes through any level of competition it's such hard work that you haven't you know all that uh, pain and suffering still inside of you you know you like you said it it takes some time for that to 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 sort of land um so you what makes you decide um to do the open and use that and pick the um the sanctionals that you did pick is that a conversation with brett is that red pill who what makes that yeah no so so it's brett so um don't get me wrong like jousty and red pill have got a huge influence on and especially like keeping me healthy like my body healthy and stuff like that but brett is my main man like always um so yeah i just we we sort of uh, were looking and there was I think it was it. The, I can't remember the call it, but the 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 qualifiers for like the filthy one fifty, the Waterpalooza, things like that. That was sort of just before the open, um, and because that was sh- such a short year, obviously you had the opening, uh, the early sort of period of the year. Then you had another one coming up within a few months. It wasn't a lot of time to prepare, um, and I. I'm not one of those because I still have to work a lot on skills and stuff like that because I'm still, you know, trying to catch up really to to where a lot of the girls are. Um, we, you have to periodize your year properly. So it was sort of like, right, well, normally you'd have a little bit of time off after the Open um, and then you'd start your building phase. You know, you'd start doing your strength work because you can't do these things together all of the time because they just clash. You just, you're not going to make any gains. So it was sort of like, right, we need to make a timeline to have enough time to get some gains in, you know, in your lifting and things like that. But then to then get your fitness ready, you know, ready for the Open or ready for a qualification. And it's like, well, we chose the Open route because it gave me that little bit more time. Whereas if I were to try and qualify for the other ones, you know, do I mean, don't get me wrong, these top girls, the top, top, top girls, qualifiers to them it's just like training day in it but for someone like me it's like you've got to put everything that you've got to go 100% and you can't go 100% all the time so that's going to then affect the rest of your week or the rest a couple of days training and stuff like that isn't it um, especially if you then have to repeat that qualifier so yeah it was just sort of like a timeline of well that's going to give us the most time to be able to feel like I've got more potential of actually qualifying um because it's never, it was never a given, and it was still very much a year ahead of schedule. It was a two-year plan, so that the open, the second open, was sort of like, well, if it doesn't happen, it, you know, it's not the end of the world. Although it would have felt like that to me, because even though it was a year ahead of schedule, you sort of like you really want it. Um, so yeah, that's the only reason that we picked the open. It was like, well, and I, I think. They do say, don't they, you've got your open athletes. So I, I do feel I always perform better in the open than maybe I do in competition. But I think that's just because I perform better where I'm more comfortable. And when I'm not in my comfort zone and I feel like, 
sort of, you know, like, what do they call like a little fish in a big pond? Okay. I'm like, oh. <laughs> not, not, that, not that I'm a big fish in a little pond, you know, at home, but it's like, I'm just comfortable. And, you know, all the things in the open are in your own control. So you're sleeping in your own bed. You know, you, you've got your nutrition at home that like you can cook your own food. You know, I'm to eat cold food all the time. You know, you can control the measures of when you're in the gym, you can use the part of the rig that you like and you, you can use a barbell that you like the, the feel of and, and all them types of things. Um, whereas in competition, you can't do them things. You pick up a barbell that you've never touched before and it could it could be brand new with oil on it and you're just like, you've got to adapt to those situations. And maybe because I'm, I've not ever been an athlete as such or... Um, had like competitive background those things are still very new to me so when I do go and I do compete I still am working a lot on the whole um, uncontrollables you know and I, I know that I can only control what I can do which is fine and as long as I know I've gave my best but what I do struggle with is um, especially coming away from Australia because so many things in Australia were out of your control you didn't know what the hell was going on when. And that was just the way they wanted the competition to be, which is fine. Um, but I came away, because I was poo- I was actually really poorly, I came away feeling, like, angry because I wasn't able to give what I know I'm capable of because my body wouldn't give me it. Right. And it wasn't because my head was saying, it was just because my body was saying, I've had enough now, you know? Which is one of them things, and it's something that I'll learn from for next time. Yeah. Hopefully, fingers crossed, if there is next time. Um, but yeah, that's the I think that's the the one thing that I probably struggle with from looking back on the two competitions this this time around. So yeah, so you obviously you like the space that you're in. You like working out the way you did. Obviously, um, what a lot of people have done, and a, you know, it seems like a smart thing to do is use the open to qualify for multiple things, right? Yeah. Um, so it's what... Because there was such a vast opportunity there, there was quite a lot of uh, competitions that that said they would use the open. So it's like, well, it just was sort of common sense to be like, well, if you're putting in for one, you might as well put in for a few of them. Because it's like, well, you just don't know sort of the... Was it like the calibre of athletes that are going to be in for each one? So it's like, well... You know, some of them have got like a really high standard. Don't get me wrong, they've all got a high standard, but sort of, uh, which one was it? Oh, I can't remember. I think it was even strength and depth, you know. So their leaderboard, their individual leaderboard as such, it had so many sort of games athletes' names and stuff like that, that it was like, this is going to be a tough cookie to get into. Whereas um, a couple of the other ones, Especially, which one was it? Was it one of the Austra- one of the Australian ones? Um, it didn't have that many names that you would have maybe heard of. Maybe that's because I'm not Australian. I don't know. Um, but it wasn't as stacked. The field wasn't as stacked as say strength and depth or something like that was. Um, so it's like, well, it's just, you know, my dream was just to get to a sanctional. I don't care which one. I just want to get to one. So it was like, just put in for them. Just try. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was just common sense, really. To try, to try for, for all of them. Yeah, well, it's an interesting development in the sport because um, if you look at qualifying for regionals, it was one you know one shot through the open and, and then go for, yeah. for your regional. And then obviously 
to say to athletes, you need to qualify for this, qualify for that. You spend your whole season qualifying. So at some point, yeah. I know that some, um, like Waterpalooza and a couple of other ones, they've come together. I think the South African one, they've all come in under a different qualifier, but as a group, and, and I'm yeah. not saying there shouldn't be multiple qualifiers, but, you know, the the larger the, cl- the collective, the better for the athletes because your season just doesn't go on and on and on because then the sanctionals are part of the season. So, yeah, I mean, the yeah. more that use the open or the more that like come together for one single sort of collective and then you enter your scores. So just to explain, how does it, you know, how does it work? You have to pre-select which ones you're qualifying for. You have to pay, obviously. Yes, yes. So um, you go onto the competition corner um, and you just, like you say, you pre-select. So you go on and you pay your fee for the qualifiers. Like like with any competition, really, you, you pay your fee, don't you? It's like, I think, was it like £30 or something like that? Um, and then at the end of each week, you've got your deadline to get your video uploaded um, to enter your score. And that's, that's on you. Obviously, you're the athlete, you're the person that's in charge. Um, so, yeah, you've got to upload it before the deadline each week. Um, and, yes, yeah, so it runs alongside. They've each got their own individual leaderboards. So it was it was quite difficult sometimes because you'd be like, well, where am I? I'm there on that one. Oh, I'm at the bottom on that one. Or, you know, it was like, it was very much um, an up and down five weeks. Yeah. What made you target the ones that you did target? Uh, Australia, mainly because Brett's Australian. <laughs> uh, my coach is Australian. I mean, it was good for us because um Australian CrossFit Championships was literally twenty minute drive from his mum and dad. So it was an opportunity to go to his home and to meet his family and, and think because obviously we are so close now, you know, we're all family now. And like I, I just I, I always wanted to go meet Barry and Carol because it was like, well, I've heard about them and I've spoke to them, but I'm like, it's different when you physically can cuddle somebody or, you know, that type of thing. So, yeah, Australia was mainly for that, and, and I'd never been. So I thought, why the hell not? You know, go for it. Yeah. You only get one life. And strength and depth, the reason I picked that one was because I wanted to go back, but I wanted to go back as the elite athlete this time, not the RX. Yeah. So that was sort of a personal – that was like a personal win for myself, that one. It was like, well, if I can get back there as the thing that I wanted to be last time, then that's like a huge win for me. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's why I chose that one. So, and I think I put, did I put in for the Norwegian one as well. I think yeah, I think I put in for the Norwegian one as well. And that was just another like, well, let's just see because if I don't get into strength in depth and I don't get into Australia, then it's like, well, there's another one potentially. Yeah. 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 Um. So obviously you're watching the leaderboard every week and you're and you're doing the the open workouts. What's it? What's the moment feel like? Where like you said, you know, you you, you love the open, you love the way that feels the qualification is like and mm-hmm. where you're looking suddenly the realization that you do have the choice and you've got that more is. than one yeah that was like do you know because when we when we started the open it was like right we knew it was going to be stressful um we knew that we had to give it everything to know because I had to know within myself, as long as I give everything, if I didn't do it and I'd done my very, very best, that was okay because I'd give my very, very best. So what we did say, we did, we made a joke of it. It was like, Kaz, what happens if you qualify for the, like a couple? 
And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, that's going to happen. I was like, that's the dream, isn't it? And we started laughing as if to be like, that'll never happen. So when that did happen, it was like, oh, shit, we could, oh, my God, this actually happened. You know, I was still very much in disbelief because I was just like, and we didn't actually celebrate until we got the official emails because it was like, is it real? Is it actually really real? Have we really, really done it? Um, and the Australia one, God, that took forever to come. That that email took forever. Um, and it was sort of like, I think for both of us, for well, for the three of us, for me, Adam and Brett, it was like a relief because it was like, oh my God, we've done it. We have done it. Rather than, I think for them too, especially like, because they the loved me so much, it was like, they know how much it would have hurt me if I didn't get it. Um, so yeah, it was sort of like a very surreal dream come true moment was to be like, I've got the choice here. What the hell has just happened? Yeah. So obviously you've said I'm I'm gonna do you're gonna do both Sid and uh Australia. And mm-hmm. and I'm sure that obviously the people in your box were watching all of this go on and very aware of the situation. Um Do you know I was I was very lucky throughout the open, um, because obviously it it was torturous at times because I couldn't have music on because um, when you upload your video onto the YouTube thing, if it's got like certain music, it won't play. So we were just like, well, let's just not have any music on. So I had to do my workouts in silence. And you know how grim that is. <laughs> um, and I get uh, I get quite nervous and quite obviously you'd get nervous because it was so important. Um, but I do get quite like, oh, I don't like it when people... Uh, shouting come on Carrie I don't like that it makes me feel really anxious inside because I'm thinking I'm trying my best guys like just give me a break I'm trying my best and I know it's encouraging but when I'm in that that sort of I'm focusing on what I'm doing here I can't breathe I'm like don't panic me don't panic me type thing so bless them they used to there was about six of them each week the boys and they'd just stand and watch in silence they won't say a word they'd just stand there silent until the end of the workout and then they'd be like yes come on <laughs> and like every week every week they did that for me which I thought was oh, it was so kind because just just knowing that people are there like that's enough like that's a safety net so I'm like I know they're supporting me but they don't need to shout at me mm-hmm. you know because the first week with the very first one um a couple of them like were sort of like you know like chipping encouraging me and stuff like that and I said to Brett at the end, I said, oh, my God, I got really panicked. And I had a pan- little panic attack. I was like, I just couldn't breathe. And I was really, really trying. And when they were saying to me, like, keep going, I was like, I'm trying, I'm trying. And at one point, I actually said to them, I'm trying. And I was like, oh, God. So, yeah, from then, bless him, he'd said to them all, guys, like, she doesn't mind you being here and supporting, but can you just not say anything? Just, like, be silent. And they were like, oh, yeah, that's fine. It's amazing, isn't it? The, the oh, length people go to. So what? So basically, part of the training between now and the next open is we're all going to stand around you and shout, "Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on!" <laughs> to basically desensitize you to it. Desensitize me to it, yeah. yeah. Every workout Honestly. from now on, people have to be shouting at you so that uh, so when it comes to the next open, you're like, "Yeah, whatever." It's just what happens. Yeah. Because I'm sure it must be weird then. Obviously, with a crowd around you at a sanctional, oh. that must be mental. Dude, honestly, that oh, have you not seen that picture? There's a picture of me, literally, <laughs> like look terrified because um, at strength and depth, the first workout was outdoors. It was a run, mm-hmm. so 
there wasn't really a lot of people watching so you were like oh but it's fine it's just you know it's like it's like normal as such like run you just go off you see people now and again give them like you know um is that the one where you were just chilling with matt fraser just you and him running along together for all of like five seconds (laughs) i was like keep up keep up oh that that will go down as one of my all-time highs definitely and to have that little clip of video as well when i'm old i'm gonna say to my kids look look what your mum used to do (laughs) but yeah um when we got into the arena when where the athletes are where you warm up you, you don't sort of you can't see the floor you can't see the crowd, you know, because you're behind. So that first time on that Friday night when we walked through, they led us through, and then we got onto the floor and there was just this sea of eyes. And I literally thought, I'm going to throw up. I was like, oh, my God, what the hell am I doing? And, you know, and just it was one of those moments where I was just like, I was in shock, I think, because I didn't expect, I just didn't expect it at all. Mm. Um, and then it was like three, two, one. I was like, "Shit, get yourself together! You're gonna have to go now." Um, and it, it's good because once once you're in the, I mean, I, I think a lot of people are the same. Once you're in a workout, you can't hear anyone, you can't see anyone. Mm. Like it's just you. You just go and like. I often feel like all I can hear is my own breath, and I can hear. Like, it, it sounds crazy, but I can just hear my heart just pounding, and like. You know, I just listen to myself and I'm in my own head because nothing anybody else can say around me is going to sort of be able to help at that time. Like, don't get me wrong, you know, people encouraging you and shouting is nice, but somebody saying to you, pick that bar up, if you pick it up too soon before you're ready, then that can affect, you know, like the next three minutes of your workout when it's like you've got to listen to what you know your body can do. Yeah. So you've got to listen. You've got to listen to yourself, haven't you? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, but yeah, that was the one of the most surreal, like, experiences is just seeing that crowd. It was huge. And I think it's only now, because Australia wasn't like that. There wasn't a lot of people watching, um, because obviously that was over four days. Thursday, Friday, lots of people are at work anyways, aren't they? Um, So it was a lot quieter. And I think it's only probably from doing Australia how much I appreciate uh, how many people were at strength and depth and how sort of much of an event they made it for the athletes as well yeah. um it was two very contrasting experiences in in many ways um, but both brilliant because to experience anything and to get that knowledge of of competition in different environments is, is always again isn't it really yeah um but i always remember listening to it was one of the youtube things that they did and I think it was Matthew Fraser had said like the crowd was just phenomenal at strength and depth. And, and I said to Adam, I said, he was totally right. You know, a lot of the American athletes said they'd never experienced a crowd like it. And I was like, cause it was insane. Yeah. It was just like massive. Yeah. Well, I, we tried to spread ourselves across cause obviously it's a new sanctional season type of thing. It's kind of a new model. We tried to spread ourselves across of some of the ones that we could see. And I, I went to Ireland I come from Ireland. My family are still over there. So it was an obvious choice for me to go to take the Ireland one. And I had to be away in January for my, for my real job. And um, Ireland was crazy. Like yeah. the, the way they, they'd set it up there in that hangar was just, they'd made the same strength for depth. You know, they'd kind of encased it. And the idea being like, no matter what the noise was, it was just going to be like an echo chamber. And I know Ellie yeah. was there, a friend of yours, 
um, that you were on the team with several times. And like you see them coming out for the very first workout and the noise that Friday night in there was just insane. And I was just like, wow, if every event's like this, uh, this must be like entering the Coliseum or something. And then obviously I've seen strength and depth. Do you know what? Do you know what it feels like? (laughs) Brett said to me at at Australia, because at Australia, um, it was like a doorway, sort of like almost like a tunnel type thing. Um, and your coach could come so far. And at the end of the competition, he came back with me and like we stood there and he went, guys, that must be terrifying waiting there. I said, honestly, it feels like you're about to go out to death. Like, that you can feel the pressure, you can feel everybody there, like, like ready. And it feels like you're going to war. Like, you, because you, essentially you are, like, you're going to put yourself and you're going to put your body through pain and hell because, I mean, you've chosen it, it's your choice, you know. But it's like, you want to know how far you can push yourself. You want to know. But I was like, honestly, before you go out, you get that, oh, the feeling in your tummy of, like, it's like you've got to walk out, yeah, walk out to sort of, like, fight for death. Like, it sounds very dramatic, but it's such a, a weird sensation before you walk out onto the floor. It's just so strange. Yeah, it's interesting because you see people coming on the floor for the first workout and they're like, it's a little wave to the crowd when their name gets announced. And by the final workout on Sunday, it's like, it's like, like <laughs> I'm used to it now, everybody. I'm with it. So, yeah. I, I think when you see an athlete on Friday night in the Coliseum waving their arms, you're like, okay, this, this, this person's uh, done this. So if Brett's li- uh, yeah. listening, what we need to do is like for the rest of the season, just <laughs> surround Carrie and scream at her at every workout. So she's completely numb to the fact there's anybody else oh. around her and just does her own game. Um, well, do you know, I, I mean, our plan this year was to try and get a little bit more competition experience, but obviously that's gone by the by now because no competitions are happening. But no. you know, that's life; you can't control everything. So I guess all so... on Zoom will scream at you. It'll be fine. <laughs> I'll have to get a recording and be like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you obviously you've qualified, uh, and that was a lot of pain and turmoil and planning, and um, you go to the events then. Do does what does I know? Obviously, Brett is your man, and does he place himself in the crowd somewhere you can see him? Are the tactics like, hey, this is um, the workout; these are your skills. Just do it this yeah. way. Is there any like so, calls on the fly? Strength and strength and depth was a learning curve. Uh, we always we always said that, but when when we picked the two, it was like at the end of the day, you can't peak your fitness for that length of time. So it was like you choose your battle. So it was, right, let's peak for Australia because I'm going to have to be fighting with time zones and all them types of things. It's like, well, if you're at your peak of health and peak of fitness at that time, for me mentally, it was like, I'll be fine. It'll be all right because mentally I'm like, I'm ready for this. So strength and depth, we we knew we weren't going to be ready as such. Um, And it was more about just getting some experience of that type of environment and competing with that caliber of athletes and things like that. Um, And we, every competition I've ever done, I've always been able to see him. And the plan was, you know, we give the strategy. So I always have my plan before I go out on the floor um, of how we're going to execute the workout. But, you know, usually I can see him or and he, he can shout to me, right, go to doing this or whatever. But we couldn't see each other. And we were like, oh, I was like, oh, shit, I can't see him. I can't see him. And he panicked as well as to be like, I can't see her. I can't see her. So that over that weekend, that was a very new thing for us both. Um, 
and and bless him have you ever watched uh you, you probably will have you know when you watch the documentaries of like tia and shane and stuff like that and shane's in the crowd like oh <laughs> and he's really nervous all weekend and doesn't sleep that's brett like he'd he, over strengthening that weekend he was so stressed out bless him and i was like it's fine like we're here it's okay just calm down but for him he just wanted to to sort of know that he'd given me everything that he could give me um so yeah, the, it, that that was a very new learning curve, and it was something that we both walked away from and said, right, we need to learn. Well, I need to learn more to rely on myself and to rely on um, my ability to to react on the fly to a workout rather than relying on him all the time because I always rely on him to tell me what to do. Um, so that was something over the the sort of four to six weeks up leading up to Australia that I had to learn to do more in a workout when I was training it's like right well this will be the plan right that's not going to plan react on the fly you're gonna to have to think of that on yourself you know like that type of thing yeah um so yeah it was a good experience especially for that really for us both to be like you know we can't always control it we can't always see each other yeah so obviously you're talking about like that initial tunnel coming out onto the floor what's it like in the in the warm-up area I know you're saying like sitting on a bike next to Sarah and Sigmund's daughter's pretty, pretty cool up thing it, <laughs> What's Brett like Matt, back there? Is he like? Uh, um, he stand. He just sort of stands and like looks around and looks very like, you know. Yeah. And I'm like fanning on all the other coaches. Bless, yeah, bless him. Yeah, because like that's what, that's his thing. Like he admires the coaches because, you know, like he's not a full time coach. He's got a full time normal job. You know, he does this to help me because it was my dream, and we've all and I, well, I've sort of always said. I would not do it with anybody else. He's tried to say to me a few times in the past, you know, because there's people out there with more experience and they might be able to guide you there faster or this, that and the other. But I was like, it's not about getting there with other people or fast or whatever. I said it was about the journey that we took together. You know, we started this together, so we're going to finish it together, you know. Um, so, yeah, I've always always said that. And, and bless him, I appreciate the, the sort of, the mindset that he would have taken as to, oh, well, you know, she might get there with somebody else. But, like, for me, it was about doing it with nobody else because it was a snowball effect. The plan only ever was to go to a sanctioned event when it came into sanctionals, but it was to go to regionals because, you know, we got to Europeans together or we achieved the Open together. So what kind of person would that make me to then just be like, oh, see you later, mate. You've got me this far. I'm just going to ditch you. Like, that's not the type of person that I am. No. Um, just yeah we do it together and that's it so uh obviously the year is the way it is and i'm sure that uh you, you know you have your plans for the rest of the year you you know when you come back from australia you know um how do you get back into training i know you've gone back into a block now uh, what advice would yeah, you, cause I, you, I, you is that is that the end of your season as far as you were concerned australia yeah yeah australia was the end of the season um that's it couple of weeks off so I had initially the plan was to have three weeks um, and when I say three weeks off it's like no training don't train you go for a walk do a bit of stretching like you take your mindset out of, of that because it's so intense especially leading up to competition from Christmas um, to doing strength and depth and then from strength and depth to doing Australia it was very intense it was very um, it's the hardest I've ever had to do um, and you just feel sort of beaten down and the workouts, you know, when, when you train to, 
when you're trained to sort of get better and to get you you know your building blocks and your foundations you shouldn't be pushing yourself to end a game every day because that's not healthy and and nobody can sustain that for a length of time and um, but when we were sort of training up towards Australia from strength and depth to Australia it was like you have to be hitting the, those um what do you call it oh, what's the word not like modalities as such you have to be hitting those intensities you know like regularly so your body's used to it so it's used to getting a pounding and stuff um, but you can only do that for a certain amount of time before your body says sod you I've had enough of this like you just you know um, and when we came back from Oz I think because my life's been so um, revolved around getting through a, san- a sanctioned event or you know getting to be where we are for such a long time that post-competition dump after Australia was almost like I felt like I'd lost a sense of purpose because it was like, well, I've achieved that now, so what? Mm. You know, and, and I wasn't in the, the mindset of I want to try again because I was still very much... Uh, and even now, sometimes, I mean, I've, I've done a lot of journaling and it's helped a lot, but sort of the physical pain that you go through and the mental pain of achieving it it was sort of it was still quite raw and I was sort of yes it was amazing and I wouldn't change it but I was like I'm not I'm not ready to go there again just yet no you know um so yeah I actually ended up taking I think it was about four weeks maybe four and a half weeks off before I felt like I wanted to do anything yeah and even then you know getting back to training it was literally just get moving to start with because you can't go from doing nothing to doing what you were doing before no you've got to build your body back up and I'd picked up a few niggles as well to be honest um so the first port call was to get in touch with joust and obviously with the situation with lockdown and stuff now we just did it over FaceTime video call we skyped me and Brett skyped him and oh, that's all I'm doing at the moment is um like uh what do you call it like body movement prep so getting my body healthy again because I've still got a bit of a, a dodgy wrist um, and one of my knees was niggling and stuff. So oh, that's all I'm really doing at the minute is just priming the body to get back to healthy so that I can start to work under load and, you know, I'm pushing that sort of thing again. So at the minute, it's just about getting my body back to healthy. Yeah. Really. So Because niggles don't just go away. You've got to work on them. They don't just disappear. No, You've got to, it'll just compound you know. itself. So obviously yeah. you're cycling slowly back on um are you aiming at the open again is that where you're going what's the what's the goal uh you know 2021 yeah so obviously at the minute it's very uh nobody really knows what the hell's going to happen but you know with, with this situation with uh with covid and stuff so but for me it's like right let's work towards the open because that's a good time frame isn't it to get some improvements and and work and stuff so yeah for me it's like work towards the open and then and then go from there yeah um and it, it's one of them it's like my goal was just to get there once so it's like if it doesn't happen again it really doesn't matter I'm not gonna die <laughs> like you know if it doesn't happen again it doesn't matter yes I would love it to happen again and I'd love to get that second opportunity to be able to maybe enjoy being there a bit more rather than feeling so um afraid because it is frightening it's a, quite a daunting experience at times 
And I think maybe next time I maybe wouldn't feel as as daunted because I'd experienced it once before. Yeah. It's like anything, isn't it? When, when you experience something for the first time, it's always, you know, new and and there's lots of emotion, like different emotions you maybe weren't expecting to feel. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's, that's the goal for now is just keep working, keep building, keep pushing my own potential and finding out where, you know, how strong I can make myself and how fit I can be and you know just enjoy the process alongside that as well because training is the biggest part of anything you spend more hours training than you do competing so you've got to enjoy the most part because otherwise you'll you know three years time you'll think what did I waste three years doing that for I didn't enjoy it you've got to enjoy it haven't you yeah absolutely so when you qualify for all these things and while you're away doing them what was the reaction from your like your community um, where you are so the sort of the wider you know community that you have what was their reaction to you qualifying it oh do you know they were so lovely they were you know like our gym is just I think everybody stays it because it's like community isn't it but there's such amazing people and for them to to do the fundraiser and like help fund me to go to Australia and to 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 get my dreams and stuff like that like that is just an incredible feeling um like I got really upset when I was trying to say thank you to them because it was just overwhelming because you know I, I often feel like I don't deserve and I don't deserve it and even now um with a lot of the competitions and stuff being cancelled um I've often sat and thought why why did I get that chance and other people haven't because you know a lot of people could have been in my situation where they've qualified for a sanctional for the first time and now they don't get the opportunity to go and do it because it's been cancelled because of this situation. And I think, what have I done in the world to make the world say to me, you can get that chance, you know? Because yeah. Australian CrossFit Championships, within a matter of us getting home, within that week, that's it, lockdown and nobody can travel and, you know, and stuff like that. And I think, why the hell? Why me? Yeah. Like, why did I get, you know? It's just... Yeah, it's just... I think that speaks it, a lot to your personality, though, you know, who you are and, and, and why, uh, you know, people are willing to get behind you because you're, you're honest human and, and that, like, the people who are brash and, are, you know, pushing forward and potentially they're not, they're not, they're not, not got the mindset where they are going to be successful or people are going to, you know, jump and, and try and support them. Um, with a, Obviously, with the lockdown and, and all of that, I know that one of your future aspirations obviously is to is to coach yourself um and i know you know a lot of people already look to you and i would say that you know what's interesting for me is that community around you they probably if i went and spoke to them they'd all be telling me stories about like what happened in london and what happened in australia and things like that because obviously we all have our experience of uh of watching you go through it does that make sense so Yeah. yeah um what's the plan in, in that aspect what is it about it that makes you want to do that um for, for me coaching is I want to be able to give back I want to be able to give back and relay my love and my passion because it's brought me so much and the feeling that like I said the feeling of empowerment you get when you, you're physically able to do something that you thought shit I never thought I'd be able to do that and then one day you do it and you think like I just did that like we achieved that and to see people you know even in the gym now so throughout the open and stuff I found it 
like so important to make sure that they supported me so I, I supported them so I would go down on a Friday night I would usually do my um workout sort of like mid-afternoon when the gym was quiet and stuff and then I'd go back down on a Friday night and just like help the girls and give them a few like try and give them a few tips on you know like how to do like the gymnastics or how to break up the workout or you know like I found it really important and I got so much value out of it because like seeing the little faces when they'd finish and they'd be like I did it and I like I got the the feeling that you get from thinking oh like you helped them you know and I feel like that's for me like that's my next like calling as such yeah so obviously you, you, your your intention is to target uh coaching yeah yeah are you going to target that to, within CrossFit are you going to target that in a, in a wider sort of spectrum um for now crossfit yeah um yeah i want i want to be able to cuz i love gymnastics i love the gymnastics element of crossfit so mm-hmm. yeah for me for now it is just crossfit um and then if that then develops into something else um my other thought process is it's maybe a very like femaleist so i don't know what the word is but i would love to m- maybe concentrate more on the women Mm. um just because i do feel like girls and boys do things a lot differently mm-hmm. um and i think a lot of a lot of crossfit probably comes more naturally to males than it does to females um because mm. they could just like muscle stuff can't they because they're just strong um whereas for us you have to engage different elements of the body and, and things like that um but yeah i think for now, it would just be CrossFit and then sort of develop my knowledge and things like that from there. Um, and then eventually, once I would love to sort of go into um, the kids, like CrossFit kids, um, and do and do it with like young people growing up and stuff. Because I feel like if I had that, um, maybe that outlet and that sort of, uh, what do you, I don't really know what you call it, but you know, just like that community sort of sense that you get as an adult. I think if you'd had that from a teenager or, you know, right, young, then it could influence in a lot of good ways. Yeah, I think uh, a, a huge slice of society could, you know, um, you know, functional fitness is functional fitness, but like the methodology that sits behind it, like OPX, I, re- I really like their sort of their sort of stuff. And I think that as a as a group, potentially, schools could find something i'm not necessarily like saying affiliate like put crossfit affiliates in schools but maybe like um put something in there where people are being told about eating properly you know yeah and moving well and all of those skills like um yeah you need a bit of intensity and you need a bit, bit of volume but it's it's like we've talked about in the past it's for everybody oh everyone and the message you know is like anything, you know, you can play any sport at an elite level and you can do any sport in the, you know, in the park just for fun. Um, but there's something prior to the sport of it in the, in the methodology where, you know, we could do with spreading that with the, uh, you know, beyond the diseases and stuff that are oh, raging definitely. through the world definitely to make people healthier. So touching on what you said earlier, then obviously now you want to be a, a coach and I'm going to try and turn this around on you. So maybe this is unfair, um, but uh, you said you're not an, an athlete, okay? But in pretty much every either CrossFit gym or functional fitness gym, they talk about, you know, Grandma Mary over in the corner and they talk about 
little Johnny, you know, in the kids' class and everybody in between, they get called an athlete. Yeah. Right? You're an athlete, but this is what you're an athlete at. You're an athlete at doing this. You're an athlete at doing that. Do, do you see the term athlete in a different context? Uh, for myself, yes. For other people, no. <laughs> um, which is backward thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, I do, like, I still see everybody else as an athlete because they are still doing it yeah but I think for me I still don't see myself as it because for me to class myself as an athlete there's still so many things that I need to be able to do before I can say that about myself okay I don't know I don't know why but that's just the way that yeah I sort of work on myself whereas I I know it's totally backward because I do see other people as athletes and I say to them all the time, well, you are an athlete because you're here, you're doing it, you know? Um, but yeah, maybe maybe it's just one of them things of, yeah, like you, you should never believe your own hype either. Like I'm a true believer in that. And, you know, every, everyone is an athlete, but I don't, I just find it difficult to call myself an athlete and when I say I've been to like a sanctional as an elite individual it's kind of like I still don't believe it yeah and I think I, I, I've i said it before but that speaks to who you are but I think that um, maybe um, we can talk about this sort of off, offline but you know uh, I think maybe your brand wants to uh, feed off of that if that makes sense not you as a person yeah but the larger brand of carry yeah need needs to feed off of that if that makes sense yeah um and so the larger community around you needs to possibly look at that and how you label yourself and maybe li- leave you to just do the hard work in the gym and, uh, and and that kind of stuff yeah yeah Carrie, uh, obviously we're now up to uh the period in time where we're at I really appreciate you being inside of our community and let us be part of your story. Um, if there was a closing thought that you'd give to somebody or even going back to yourself, mm-hmm. you know, at the beginning of this journey, what would you say? I would say that no matter what, trust the process and sort of always believe because the word impossible isn't even a word because mm-hmm. it, it's impossible. So therefore, nothing is impossible to be achieved. So as long as you do the hard work and believe, you can achieve anything. Yeah, Roger that. Carrie, thank you so much. Obviously, that's a huge chunk of your time you've given up to me and I, and I really, really appreciate it. I know, I just hope it was okay for you. <laughs> <laughs> Like Adam says, like once you get talking, you can't shut you up. I'm like, oh, thanks, Ad. Yeah, it's, you're definitely one of my uh, my favourite people to sit down and talk to. <laughs> it, all, it, it it does make my life very simple. <laughs> oh, funny, but no, like thank you to you guys too. I mean, you've always been so like helpful and like willing. You're always so willing to help me, which I do find incredibly humbling. Because I mean, I've never, I'm just little old me. You know, I don't do you know i don't do very much as such i don't see myself as doing very much anyways um but yeah so thank you to you guys too 
you're welcome. Uh, you know, we're excited to continue to be part of the story, however that looks, yes. you know, going forward into this strange new era. Yes. Or Very obviously into your, uh, your, your branding and moving into coaching. Obviously, we, we want to be uh, part of that story for a long time to come. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. And I appreciate you taking the time to listen. All our podcasts sit on the Nine Foot Night Killer Collective, Soul Feed, Forge Not Made and the JTAP podcast. Take some time, maybe listen to one of the other podcast series that you're not listening to and give us your feedback. All these things only happen because of the Nine Foot Night Killer community and we really appreciate them. Thank you everybody for listening.